Hello and welcome to Women in Foreign Policy, a podcast of the Women in Foreign Policy organization. I'm one of your hosts, Annika, and I'm a graduate student in Geneva, Switzerland. This month is our final episode in a series on professional development, and today our topic is personal branding. What is personal branding? Do I need a personal brand? How do I develop one? Why is it so popular? We're going to hear a discussion on the topic between Ashley, my co-host, and a personal branding expert. But before we get there, we have an exciting announcement. This summer, the Women in Foreign Policy podcast turns one. We'll be celebrating our one-year anniversary. And so in its honor, we're going to have a one-year anniversary episode this fall devoted to all of your questions. For those of you who've been listening to us for a while, or for those who are brand new, we want to know what burning questions you have for women who work in foreign policy. We'll be receiving your questions and then asking talented women in the field what they think. So please write to us. You can send your questions to aericksonpearson at gmail.com. That's A-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N-P-E-A-R-S-O-N at gmail.com. Um, Another update is that in alignment with the Women in Foreign Policy organization, we're going to be taking a short break from the podcast over the summer. We believe really strongly in managing burnout and mental health, so the organization as a whole is giving its hardworking, all-volunteer team a break. We will be back in the fall with more episodes and more great women. Okay, enough of the announcements. Let's talk about personal branding, and let's dive into this great conversation with Ashley. My name is Dina Gaditis, and I live in Washington, D.C. As a communication strategist, I've worked in um, media and international development for the past 15 years in various government and international donors like USAID and the UN World Food Program, and for international development organizations like FHI 360 and Malaria No More and others. I started my career as a digital multimedia producer at ABC News, And I've worked in the foreign affairs international development area around the world in cities like New York, Nairobi, and Washington, D.C. Our first question is kind of like the entry point into this conversation, which is what is personal branding even? You know, um, am I selling myself? Is that good? Is that bad? what, What constitutes a personal brand? So I think, um, in my opinion, I think at its core, your personal brand is your reputation and how people think of you. Um, everyone is a brand, but everyone's personal brand is, needs to be developed into its strength, especially nowadays where um, di- your digital presence is a facet of representing who you are and who you are personally. The primary part of your personal brand is primarily digital, um, and I think effective personal branding can open countless doors in your life, and it would be a complete mistake if you ended up disregarding it completely. I think there was once such a thing as separating your work life with your social life, but for many professionals, this is no longer true. And can you talk a little bit about distilling down the components of a personal brand a little bit more? I know you talked like about how it's kind of primarily digital at this point, but what are we what are we talking about when we're talking about a brand? What components are we looking at? So I think it's about how you present yourself. So there's the digital component and then there's the offline component. Um, I'll talk briefly about the offline components. And um, particularly for young professionals who are looking to um, begin to establish themselves in the international 
um, development arena or the foreign affairs arena, I think it's important to look at um, all of your professional experiences and how they build a foundation upon one another. So if you get an, um, an internship experience at one organization that um, is has a more well-known reputation, that will indeed help you in your next career opportunity, knowing that that name has some cachet and that name has some recognition. Um, and people understand that that's a brand. And so you're building your own personal brand based on the previous places that you've worked. So that's more of an offline slash resume component. But um, for your digital presence, I think it's a combination of um, your engagements uh, with your previous um, ex professional experiences. So corporate websites to um, academic websites um, where you've been involved in various activities, both professionally or personally, as well as managing your own personal properties online. So LinkedIn, social, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Brilliant. Yeah. And thank you for breaking that down a little bit because I think we, we use some buzzwords sometimes, but we don't actually know like what that really means ultimately. And I think it's really important to talk about like what we mean when we say like personal branding, you know? So um, the next question we kind of laid out, we talked about a little bit when we met for coffee and it's talking about, you know, the line between personal and professional and how you can be competent, but also personable and like how you can set boundaries when you're building your brand, like what's, what's too risque or like what's too much. And um, we talked about it briefly. I just wanted to know, like, do you want to take a stab at answering that one? Sure. Um, I think, um, I think personal branding is about um, being authentic um, and embracing authenticity. I think um, uh, presenting different person or different aspects of yourself is part of your personal brand, but I think straying to pretend that you're something that you're not or that you're trying to be something that you're not comes off as being inauthentic. And I think um, the most successful personal brands are ones that are both consistent and authentic. And obviously, in various situations, uh, both online and offline, when you're using it to further your career, it's important to be adaptable and be able to flex your style. But I think it's so important to be able to be true to yourself and use your um, inner self to be the guiding compass in terms of how you present yourself and how you want to be perceived and who you are, who you truly are. Yeah, I think you're completely, completely correct. And I guess just to give a follow up or like to, to add on to that, how would you suggest sort of distinguishing personal branding from, from who you are as a person, which could be like infinitely more complex and nuanced, you know? How, how narrow do you suggest people, how, how narrowly do you suggest people define their brand? Personally, I think I'm more of a traditionalist. So I'm in my 30s. And I think everyone nowadays has some sort of digital footprint. And while I'm, for example, myself, I'm not pro a prolific tweeter. But I do recognize that I'm in the field of communication. So there isn't a reasonable expectation that I will be present in the digital space. So I think it's important for anyone um, 
whether they're in the field of communications or otherwise in the foreign affairs arena, I think it's important to pay close attention to the personality and values of the industry that you want to break into. So both looking at job descriptions and career pages and target employers um, will give you a great sense of how the industry, um, what the social norms of that particular industry is. And it will also allow you to do some self-reflection and understand that um, perhaps you, you want to align with those values and those ways that those organizations are portraying their culture. I think, for example, if you're looking at a website that has, you know, a more car- corporate culture where people are in suits and they're um, either working with government or um, in a more formal, um, more formal environment. I think it's um, a good indicator that if you're more creative and you're a little bit more quirky and funky, that um, won't necessarily sit well in that potential corporate culture. So the example that I'm trying to give is it's important for you to do your research and think through um, what types of um, kind of what the culture is of the particular industry or the particular company that you're looking to be a part of and think through how you, how you are truly representative in certain facets of that culture. I think you've hit on something really important there, which is um, the centrality of knowing where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. I think probably people don't consider branding like a goal setting exercise perhaps, but I think you're right in that if you don't know what your ultimate intention is with the brand you're establishing, you're not going to be successful because you're going to not have like those guiding principles and the constraints you need. I agree. And I think um, it sort of leads into one of the other questions that people sometimes consider when they're looking at their social media platforms, like do they need to have a presence at all or should should they have a website? Um, there's a couple of points that I'd like to mention about this. One is I think of your social media and your digital presence as though you would do a litmus test. Whatever you do not want to see on the front page of the New York Times, you should not be putting out into the digital ether. Um, I know that we've there's been numerous publications and numerous articles talking about um, how things end up having an entirely different life of their own. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that you do have some control over what types of information you're putting out into cyberspace. Um, so it's important to realize that there's still an element of professionalism that you need to maintain when you're trying to be involved in online conversations or even create a unique space for you to, um, a unique space for you to even represent yourself, whether that's in, in my case, I'm in the field of communications. So even if you're starting out as a newbie, um, it's the programs that the academic programs that are in Um, that are teaching in the field of communications, at the end of your program, you should have a portfolio of samples of work that you've created. And I think the digital presence that you could have is to have a website and use it as a communications portfolio for your website. Um, So I think um, not everyone needs to have a website, but I think you should definitely know the industry that you're trying to break into and what those standards are. I think, yeah, 
that's it. Perfect. No, uh, I think you're right. And I think, I think maybe a big part of this conversation then will be, will be goal setting and knowing that you cannot establish a brand until you know exactly what, um, what kind of brand you want to, or what, I guess what kind of, um, what kind of viewers you want to appeal to for sure. Um, I have another question that isn't actually on the list I gave you. So if you're like, ah, I'm not prepared to answer this, that's totally fine. But I realized um, we're talking a lot about like establishing a brand, but I'm wondering if you have any advice for changing your brand. If you wake up one day and you're like, oh, wow, I realized that like the way I've been presenting myself is like not what like this new professional goal is suited to. Um, is there any way to to go in and say like, okay, I want to change the way I'm presenting myself on social media, on my website, whatever. How do I change my branding? What, what steps are there? Great question. Um, I think, um, I think for your social channels that you manage and maintain, so your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, um, I think there's some distinctive cultures that exist within each of those um, platforms. And I think that they're the great thing about working in those spaces is you can update and you can refresh stuff and you can put new content out there. And I think um, it's a period of um, longevity. And over time, you're able to pivot and make some changes about the fresh content that you want to put put out into the digital space. So I think it's a progressionary period. Um, it's not going to be a light switch where you suddenly realize, oh, I need to take this stuff down. No, um, it's a matter of pushing new content out to allow Google and other search engines, for example, to be able to um, refresh their algorithms with newer, more relevant content about you. Would you say that like, you're going to put up new content in conjunction with taking stuff down or is it more, much more important to put up the new content and like taking it down is kind of what, whatever. Um, I think that you can tend to get into some sticky situations if you attempt to remove pieces of information that have currently been out there. I'm not a um, reputation expert in terms of understanding the um, the algorithms that go into um, digital manipulation. But I do think that if you refresh newer content and have engagement with that content, you will be able to shift your reputation digitally and change your online presence. Great. And uh, thanks for thanks for such a great answer to a question I kind of sprung on you. Um, I realized, yeah, we, like, we don't really talk about... Like, waking up one day and be like, ah, I definitely need to change. And like one of our audiences is people who are sort of like in a mid career shift. So I think that's, um, I think that's an important thing to address. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reality of the situation is um, getting back to that New York times example um, is we, the internet really hasn't been prolific for, um, you know, 50 years in terms of its public consumption. So I think we're very early on in terms of the um, digital cycle that's existing with um, news, information, content. And so I think it's very early to predict how things are going to evolve. But I think recognizing that what you do put out there um, is something that will represent you and could have a life beyond its own. So um, being very deliberate and 
articulate and particular, I think, are the keys to really being able to harness what you personally want to portray out in the world about yourself. Let's say then um, that we are we're talking to like a new student now, and they are maybe like a late junior, they're, it's their senior year, and they're like, oh, wow, I'm about to leave school, I'm about to be looking for professional opportunities, I really want to establish a brand for myself and begin like sort of building some name recognition, but I honestly don't feel like I have that much to hang my hat on. Um, what advice do you have for this person? What, what skills should they be marketing? How should they be presenting themselves? So I think there's a couple of things. One, I think um, it should be standard that if you are a professional looking to get a professional job, you should consider being on LinkedIn at the very minimum. You don't have to copy and paste your complete resume into LinkedIn, but I think you can develop a profile that has a place marker that identifies that you are a graduate of a university or academic institution and that you have some um, relevance or professional experience. And so I think having a presence at a very minimum on LinkedIn is a key uh, foundational piece to establishing your professional brand. The second point that I'd like to make is with young professionals, I think that it's important to realize that you should not be inauthentic and exude a persona that you are an expert in your early 20s. Unless, for example, you're a professional pianist who started playing music at the age of four, the larger world will not see you as an industry expert. And that could be very much viewed as inauthentic and could potentially backfire against you. But I think you can start foundational actions to begin establishing your goals and your skills relevant in a particular field. So if you're starting your career in international relations, uh, you can highlight your work that you've done as an intern or an, as an assistant or an entry-level professional that you've been able to acquire, acquire certain skills. Um, elevate skills that you've acquired in school, communication skills, research and synthesizing information, as well as writing and blogging. And if you're in the field of communications, I think it's important to have a digital portfolio to elevate your brand. Like, let's say like today I have listened to this episode and I'm like, all right, great. I am going to go out there and establish my brand. And like, I have the rest of this like weekend afternoon to do it. Like, what should I do very first? Like, what is my first step? So I think the first thing is acknowledging that you're not going to be able to build your personal brand in one afternoon or one day. It's going to be a ongoing process. Um, as people live and breathe, your digital presence lives and breathes. So I think the, at the very first is mention, as I mentioned, you should consider having a LinkedIn profile. Um, and then, um, think through, um, if you want to be more personable and you work in the area of communications, whether it's events planning or um, blogging or social media, I think if you're applying for a social media job, you should have a personal presence on social media. Um, it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a prolific following. I think most employers will want to see that you have experience in the space so that you've been able to, you update your um, your profile regularly. Um, that doesn't mean you have to post pictures of what you ate for breakfast. <laughs> what it means is that you've been able to put relevant and interesting things up. 
um, not garbage, but interesting things that um, could reflect who you are personally. Um, I think um, it's also important to realize Google yourself before you're establishing your personal brand. What else is about, what is out there in the digital space that already ties back to who you are? Um, organizations that you volunteered with, achievements and awards that you've received in school, um, professional development organizations that you've gone to, networking events. Um, all um, all of these potential avenues are things that are already saying something about who you are as a person. I think it would be very um, benign to think that any future employer would not be Googling you before they would consider bringing you in for an interview. Um, I know that I've been on the recruiting side many a times, and that's one of the first things I do when I look at my short list of candidates is what are their interests? What is their digital profile? Um, what are they involved in? What are their interests? What are their passions? And how, um, how has that space been able to reflect who they are? I think that's a great, a great first step and sort of like a, a correlated, like first thing you have to acknowledge. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that maybe people who are newer in their careers really struggle with is the idea that like, it's not going to get done today. Um, and we talked about this on the networking episode as well. Like, you're not going to go have one coffee with someone and get a job offer. Um, and I think it's a really important expectation to set, like, out the gate that, like, do not walk into, you know, a, create a Twitter account and think that tomorrow someone's going to want you to write an op-ed, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I mean, um, I think the building on the, the networking episode, for example, I think, um, I have worked with some uh, recent graduates um, from, you know, recent graduates who've finished their master's and they're just now trying to get their profession, their feet wet in the professional development arena in international development. And they didn't previously have a LinkedIn profile. These are people who are in their early to mid 20s. And I'm not expecting you to develop a network that has several hundred people in it, but the thing that you need to recognize is that things grow over time and the, um, the efforts that you put in today will reap benefits of tomorrow and they will compound over time. So it's important to realize that how you present yourself digitally, um, is part of your reputation and, and being able to be, um, deliberate about what types of information and what types of content you want to put out there about yourself, I think is important in, um, throughout your career, whether you're starting, um, you're starting your, your first professional job or you're a seasoned professional. I think there's, um, ability to change and adapt. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's crucial. Um, you're like a hundred percent right. How do you make yourself seem amazing and like brand yourself as like, this person who should be entrusted with professional responsibilities, some of them like quite complex or difficult while still like being accurate and um, sort of along with that, how do you develop a kind of self-awareness that allows you to accurately sort of like brag on yourself without being, without bragging first of all, but also without exaggerating? I think it comes down to the original point about authenticity if you are authentic in what your capabilities are and who you are as a person, that will come off as resonating genuinely with the 
people who you want to interact with, both online and offline. And I think when you're trying to come off as competent and personal, I think it's also important to realize that your digital presence is an opportunity to position yourself. So we've all gone through um, learning how to create our own elevator pitch, but realizing how you can present yourself and talk about who you are and what you do um, online will allow you to be authentic and genuine. Um, I think um, getting, I think also getting back to my earlier point about, um, you know, as a young professional, I think most people who would be interested in hiring young professionals is understanding their willingness to be able to learn something quickly be able to be adaptable and flexible to um, take initiative, but also be mature enough to accept feedback in terms of how they can better um, achieve that final goal or that final project outcome. And I think if you recognize that you're learning and acknowledge that you're learning, I think that also goes into being genuinely authentic. And I think um, employers and future professionals, um, more seasoned professionals as a young professional, I think um, that type of recognition will be observed and rewarded at the end of the day. I think that list of skills or like characteristics of younger professionals that you named is also really crucial because I think a lot of times, you know, um, the sort of people who are young professionals today, so like late millennials, early sort of um like whatever the Gen Z or whatever we're calling them. Like I think they get a really bad rap and I don't know that it's entirely deserved. And I think it's a really great, um, a great tool to have in your toolkit to be able to say like, Hey, these are the things that are like generationally defined about me, but they're good for you. And they're good for me as a professional. And like the fact that I am a millennial or the fact that I am like Gen Z is actually a benefit to you. And like, that's good for all of us that I have these characteristics. I totally agree. I think um, with each generation, there are different characteristics that have helped define and shape the workforce. And I think at the end of the day, we're all in this together and we all need to be able to uh, recognize the skills and strengths of um, different people of all ages. And I think the most successful organizations and the most successful companies are able to recognize that with each individual, their strengths and weaknesses. And whether you have a social media presence or an online digital presence and whatever flavor that takes, I think um, is important to recognize that it's it's now mainstream culture to have a have um, some sort of digital footprint and being able to shape some of those components is not only a smart thing to do, but a critical and essential thing to do in nowadays mainstream society. Yeah, for sure. I think you're 100% correct. Um, I think the only other thing that I'd like to mention um, is um, the fact that your personal brand is a digital first impression and people Google you who don't know you, whether it's your professional, you know, your next professional step that you're looking to, you know, walk in the door with. Um, But I think it's important to recognize that Um, you do have a digital presence and a digital footprint Um, and how you shape what you want to put out there, I think is a positive 
um, adventure and, um, it, it only reaps positive, um, positive aspects for both developing your career and developing your life. Amazing. Dina, thank you again for being here to talk to us and to share all of the wisdom that, that you've passed on today in our conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Annika here again. Thanks for listening with us today. I'm sad that this was the last podcast before our short summer hibernation, but I really can't wait to hear from you about your questions and ideas for our anniversary episode. Don't forget to subscribe to and rate or review this podcast in whatever app you're using that helps other people find us. And while you're at it, subscribe to the Women in Foreign Policy newsletter. It's available on our website. Uh, which is womeninforeignpolicy.org. So as I mentioned, we're taking a bit of a hibernation from new content for a few months as an organization, but you will definitely want to be in touch when we start back up. Our Twitter account is at womeninfp, so that's the organization's account. And then both Ashley and I are also on Twitter and Instagram with our individual handles. Ashley is at vaguelyacademic, and mine is at annikaep, that's A-N-N-I-K-A-E-P. We want to acknowledge the contributions of our podcast assistant who's been helping us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Nina. We really appreciate it. You can find Nina on Twitter at uh, N-I-N-A-N-A-G-E-L-29. Finally, if the work that we're doing really means a lot to you, consider supporting us via PayPal at lmgoulet or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer organization, as I mentioned. Ashley and I do not get compensated for our time, so any support you can give us just helps us to make Women in Foreign Policy even better. We're so grateful to have the opportunity to do this work and to have this platform, and it's really only from support from listeners and Women in Foreign Policy members like you that we get to continue to do it. Thank you so much, and we We will see you soon. Bye.